Morning, everybody. How's it going? Happy Monday morning to everyone. And if you're watching replay, thank you for joining us as well. So we, Joey and I, are going through the book of Pilgrim's Progress, and we're we're going to be reading it live. Um, but the the biggest reason why we're doing this is just to go through some of the the notes and references that are made in the unabridged copy of Pilgrim's Progress. Uh, many people have read it. I had read it many times in the past, never the unabridged and never with the notes. Uh, so I had listened to close to the unabridged version, but I had never um, seen or even known that there was uh, notes from the author, John Bunyan himself. So anyways, uh, for those of you in the roofing industry, because I guess a few of you have been um, following along as well, Joey is our full-time supplementer here at uh, Clean Cut. So um, that's all he that's not all he does. There's a lot of other things that he does, but he does handle our supplements for us. And um, we're thankful that he does that because that's a lot of work dealing with insurance companies all day. He took um, John Dye's out of the supplement master class, and that was a huge, that made a huge difference. Anyways, before we started, I wanted, wanted to um, get a few uh, quotes, opinions from other famous people. Um, on the book, uh, John uh, on John Bunyan's book, Pilgrim's Progress. Did you find anything, John? Um, it was a little difficult to find something, but uh, let me see. I know I had some. Oh, Sorry. I just noticed we have uh, yeah the manta rays in the back. So I, yeah, I was going to turn them off, but uh, we'll leave them there. <laughs> this one's a quote by uh, Carl Jung. Uh, he said, in my case, Pilgrim's Progress consisted of my having to climb down a thousand ladders until I could reach out my hand to the little clot of earth that I am. Uh, mm. Carl Jung was a uh, psychiatrist, psychoanalyst. I don't think he was Christian. I think he was raised Christian, but uh, I don't think he, he ever claimed it. But uh, he was definitely into uh, stories and and we tried breaking them down. So there's okay. no doubt that he has a quote on this book. Uh, there was another one. Uh, let me see. Like I said, I, I thought I would find more more of people's opinions on the book. What's that one by Mark Twain? Mark Twain. He said, Pilgrim's Progress, about a man who left his family. It didn't say why. The statements was interesting but tough. That is something Mark Twain would say. <laughs> yeah. He didn't read the book, it sounds like. <laughs> and then uh, there was one by Charles Spurgeon, I believe. Um, I should have had them all ready to go. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think this one's actually about Pilgrim's Progress. Can, huh. yeah. We'll make sure to have that a little bit more prepared next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we got here when we were just like looking it up. Anyways, all righty. Well, let's let's jump into the book. If you have any good quotes or in, uh, interesting facts about Pilgrim's Progress that you'd like to drop in the chat, feel free to do so. We are doing this live. So, um, yeah, you're watching this in real time. I think there's like maybe a 10 or 15 second delay i think on youtube there's even a 30 second delay but anyways alrighty, let's let's jump into the book and uh we're going to go through this slowly so even though there's going to be some words or uh ideas presented in a archaic way we're going to make sure that we stop if we don't understand it right away or we feel like we have some conversation there's conversation to be had we're going to do that and then we're going to um Spend about 20 minutes doing that and then start our day. So we're in chapter one. I'm going to have to get into my reading voice. Are you starting right at chapter one? Yeah, we're going to start at chapter one. So 
Uh, I finished going through the apology last week, uh, Friday, and then I wanted to start first this week on chapter one. My chair keeps squeaking. Hmm. Anyways, chapter one. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where was a den and laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. Immediately, there is a note here. Um, you want to get that quote, that uh, reference, Isaiah? Yeah. So they have a, I lighted on a certain place where was a den. And there's the sub, sub note here, the jail. Mr. Bunyan wrote this precious book in Bedford Jail, where he was confined on account of his religion. The following anecdote is related of him. A Quaker came to the jail and thus addressed him. Friend Bunyan, the Lord sent me to seek for thee, and I have been through several counties in search of thee. Now I am glad I have found thee. To which Mr. Bunyan replied, Friend, thou dost not speak the truth in saying the Lord sent thee to seek me. <laughs> for the Lord well knows that I have been in this jail for some years. And if he had sent thee, he would have sent thee here directly. <laughs> Interesting. Uh, the following anecdote. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, so I'll start from the beginning just because it's been such a, a short sentence there. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where was a den. And so he's referring to that, to the jail that he was in yeah. and laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a certain place, with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden on his back. So what's that um, from Isaiah? Uh, where he said, I saw a man clothed with rags, is a reference to Isaiah 64, 6. He says, but we were all as an unclean thing, and all our unrighteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we all do fade as a leaf, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. Wow. A man clothed with his righteous deeds. <laughs> I, can't, I have to say, I've never, I never saw that before. Wow. And I looked and saw him open a book, open the book and read therein. And as he read, he wept and trembled and not being able to contain, he break out with a lamentable cry saying, what shall I do? At this point, we do find another note. From John Bunyan and a couple of references. I'll read in the note. You can get to those references. Yeah. What shall I do? This is the cry of an awakened sinner who sees his own righteousness to be as filthy rags. His soul in a state of wrath and wretchedness exposed to everlasting destruction. Feeling the burden of his sins upon his back, he turns his face from his own house, from himself, from all his false hopes and vain confidence for refuge. And takes his Bible in his hand to direct him where he shall flee for refuge and salvation. The more a sinner reads therein, the more he is convinced of the wretched state and ruined condition of his precious and immortal soul. And of his necessity of fleeing to Christ for eternal life and salvation. As he reads, he weeps and trembles to think what will become of him. Reader, was this ever your case? Do you ever see your sins and feel the burden of them so as to cry out in the anguish of your soul? What must I do to be saved? If not, 
you will look on this precious book as a romance or history, which no way concerns, which no way concerns you. You can no more understand the meaning of it than if it were written in an unknown tongue. For you are yet carnal, dead in your sins, lying in the arms of the wicked one in false security. But this book is spiritual. It can only be understood by spiritually quickened souls who have experienced that salvation in the heart, which begins with the sight of sin, a sense of sin, a fear of destruction, and dread of damnation. Such, and only such, commences pilgrims from the city of destruction to the heavenly kingdom. Wow. Those are all his notes. Those are all his notes, by the way. So what is uh, Acts 2.37? Uh, both of those are in reference to uh, the what shall I do, where it's found in the verse in, of course, Acts chapter 2. Um, the verse reads, uh, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? And the and second who is this? One, this is uh, after uh, a Pentecost. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay yeah, and then, yeah. you know, they what were all we listening do? and they realized, you know. And then uh, the second one is where they all break out of the jail and you know, the jailer's about to kill himself. And they stop and uh, the jailer comes down and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must they do to be saved? And so both of these are, I mean, they're in pretty emotional states when uh, they say this. It's interesting because he says, you're not going to understand this book if you're still dead in your sins. This is a spiritual book. He says, these, this book can only be understood by spiritually quickened souls. And I, I'd have to say that when I first read this book, and then and I read through it a few times, that I, I thought it was a, he says it here, you'll, you'll see this book as a, an interesting book, a, a nice romantic book. But the actual meaning of the book won't make any sense to you. And I, I've read so many times about Apollyon's darts, about the Valley of um, Despair, Vanity Fair, and all these allegorical um, things that he brings up. And I just never understood uh, I never really understood really what <laughs> what was going on here. And he says, you won't. Not only can you not understand, but the only he says the only way you can really be on your journey properly, this journey of salvation, the only way to begin with this is to have a sight of your sin, a sense of your sin, a fear of destruction, a dread of damnation. Such and only such commence pilgrims from the city of destruction. He says the only way you're going to leave the city of destruction is if you have a fear, if you fear the destruction that's to come. This is what they say, the fear of God, right? It's the fear, the fear of God the is the beginning. Yeah. That's how it God's starts. Beginning of wisdom. So he's holding this book. He begins to read in it. And... The, it's interesting that he says the more sinner reads, the more he's convinced of his condition and the more he's going to want to flee to Christ for life and salvation. And he asked the reader, it's very interesting, he asked right out the gate, was this ever you? Did you ever feel this way? Did you ever get to the point where you cried out, what must I do to be saved? He says, if not, you're just not going to understand this book. You're not going to understand the story. I'm going to let you pick up there from the top and this plight therefore he went home and refrained himself as long as he could that his wife and children should not perceive his distress mm. 
But he could not be silent long, because that his trouble increased. Wherefore, at length, he broke his mind to his wife and children, and thus he began to talk to them. Oh, my dear wife, he said, uh, and you, the children of my vows, I, your dear friend, am in myself undone by reason of a burden that lieth hard upon me. Moreover, I am certainly informed that this is our city. Uh, antidote for that is this world, he means. This will be burned. Our city, yeah. huh. So I'm certainly informed that this, our city, our world, will be burned with fire from heaven, in which fearful overthrow both myself with thee, my wife, and you, my sweet babe, shall miserably come to ruin, except the which yet I see not, some way of escape may be found, mm. whereby we may be delivered. At this, his relations were sore amazed, not for that they believed what he had said to them was true, but because they thought some frenzy distempered, distemper had got into his head. Therefore, drawing towards night, and they hoping that sleep might settle his brains, with all haste they got him to bed. But the night was as troublesome to him as the day, wherefore insisted, of, instead of sleeping, he spent his, in his nights in sighs and tears. So, so when the morning was come, they would know how he did. Where where's that at this? Uh, this one, yeah. At this, his relations were so amazed. So his family were amazed, not because of not because they believed what he said, but because some they thought something crazy had happened. And there's a note here. He says, number one, conviction of sin in the heart will discover itself to those about us by the outward conduct and behavior of the life. He says here the conviction, as as you see with Pilgrim. Uh, the pilgrim here, Christian, and um, we'll find out his name is Christian soon. He says, once this, once he began to feel that conviction and that convinc that conviction of sin begins in the heart, you can't help but tell the people around you, and it's going to evidence itself by the way you act. And people apparently are going to think you're crazy. His family did, and then there was another note. It says they were hoping that he'd go to sleep and. He'd forget all of this. He puts a note in here. When we begin to be wise, when we begin to be wise into salvation, carnal friends pronounce us mad unto destruction and administer carnal physique for our sin-sick souls. Wow. When we begin to be wise into salvation. When we start to understand our condition and, and we begin to realize where we're at, Spiritually, he says that the, our friends are going to begin to think not only not only are they going to think we're crazy, but they're going to administer some sort of carnal uh, relief. They're going to say, "Hey, you're, I've got something for you," and it's going to be a carnal answer mm -hmm. because they're carnal. They're carnal people. They're going to, th and and he, he says it. It's not these are not carnal enemies. He says carnal friends. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good statement. Uh, you you want to go to pick up there? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let me start moving back. Wherefore, instead of sleeping, he spent in his sighs and tears. So when the morning was come, they would know how he did. He told them worse and worse. He also set to talking to them again, but they began to be hardened. They also thought to drive away his distemper by harsh and surely carriage to him. Sometimes they would deride, sometimes they would chide, sometimes they would quite neglect him. Wherefore, he began to retire himself to his chamber, to pray for and to pity them, and also to condole his own misery. He also would walk in solitary in the field, sometimes reading and sometimes praying, and thus for some days he spent his time. 
Mm. Now I saw upon a time when he was walking in the fields that he was, as he wont, reading in his books, and greatly distressed in his mind. And as he read, he burst out, as he had done before, crying, What shall I do to be saved? So this is a this is this is not a one and done thing when it comes to him realizing his condition. Yeah, no, this goes on for he hear, he, he reads the book, he doesn't know the way, he begins to have this conviction that people think he's crazy. They they try all kinds of different ways to try to get him to get over this. Yeah. It says they tr thought to drive away his distemper by harsh and surely surly carriage. I'm not sure the uh, context of that verse. I mean, of that word there. Obviously, I've heard of the word carriage, yeah. but not um, surly. I know is like rough or rude, harsh and rough and rude. I'm assuming that's communication. They tr they would get on to him. They chide him. They'd neglect him, and through all of this. He would just mm -hmm. get away from everybody, get in the fields, read his Bible, pray. And he's in this distressed state, and he begins to cry out, what shall I do to be saved? Yeah, he's actually got a note right there where I finished reading saying, uh, no soul was ever in earnest for salvation. So there was a cry in his heart to be saved from damnation. Mm, mm. Note right after there that. was never a cry. You were never in earnest. You know, I, I looked up Shirley Carriage, and there's not really a uh, a quick uh, Surly. Yeah. You'll have to look up Carriage, archaic Carriage um, definition. Is what you might need to find. So he also has a note here at this cry. I believe it's the same that you might have referenced. Uh, this cry that Pilgrim, the Pilgrim makes after he's been reading and praying, and he cries out, "What shall I do to be saved?" And uh, he actually has a few references here. One of them, again, is the reference of the jailer who cries out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. You want to hit that? Uh, so he throws in a few references here for that I'll at hit, that point. I'll hit Job if you want. Hit Job and I'll get Hebrews. It's a little bit difficult to... Uh, so he's got Roman numerals as the chapter... And then verse and normal, <laughs> normal numbers. So Hebrews nine twenty seven. So one of the um, criticisms that uh, Pilgrim's Progress will get, or um, the readers of Pilgrim's Progress will get, sometimes from uh, religious people, is that there's, no, you know, it's not the Bible. You know, it's it's not the Bible. You should be reading the Bible instead. Um, and I would contend with the people who say that. Um, and as you as you're finding out, and it's something that you don't get if you read a, an abridged version or you listen. But there's a ton of reference to scripture. In fact, I would there's not many pages that you can turn bef without there being multiple. I mean, just on this one page, there's five references um, to scripture. So, and just a, just a note there. We have some comments here. Ah, so, oh, we have a friend watching from Africa, from Zambia. Josue says you're looking good. <laughs> and then uh, my dad, forever thankful, this dread of destruction, the weight of my sins became so real and so heavy. Amen. Did you uh, get Job? Yeah, Job is uh, Job 16, 21 and 22. It says, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. 
when a few years are come, then I shall go the way whence I shall not return. Mm. Oh, that a man might plead. Oh, plead that one man. might plead for a man with God. Wow. Hebrews 9.27, And it is appointed unto men once to die, and after that, and after this, the judgment. So Christ was offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Pick up from that point. I also that he looked, I saw, <clears throat> I saw also that he looked this way and that way as if he would have run. Yet he stood still because I perceived he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and, and saw a man named Evangelist coming to him who asked, Wherefore dost thou cry? He answered, Sir, I perceive by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die and after that to come to judgment. And I find that I'm not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Wow. Not willing to do the first, which is condemned to die, mm -hmm. condemnation, and then not able to be judged. Very interesting. Yeah. yeah. And, it, and, and for those saying, well, the, the Bible is enough. You know, uh, there's someone must teach the word and someone must really, I mean, What's yeah. his name? Uh, Cornelius had the Bible, had well, had the uh, Old Testament yeah. Yeah. that spoke of Christ all throughout it. Yeah. And yet, so how is it possible for Christian to be reading mm -hmm. and never really understand the? It says here he he got he's stood up to run, and he really couldn't tell which way he was going to go. And then all of a sudden, this man. Name Evangelist shows up, and there's a note here if you want to read that. Yeah, this one. Uh, oh, you want this the, number, number two? Yeah. It says, and, and behold, here the tender love and care of Jesus, the great shepherd and bishop of souls, to sin distressed, heavy laden sinners, and sending evangelist, that is, a preacher of the gospel of grace and glad tidings of salvation to them. Yeah. And he's also got a, right where you read, there's also a scripture reference to Ezekiel. And uh, it said, uh, can thine heart endure, or can thine hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? I, the Lord, have spoken it, and will do it. Yeah. It's, uh, so that's uh, in reference to what? That's in reference to that. Oh, I'm not willing to be able yeah, to do the first, uh, yeah. nor able to do the second. And so we're, what's the uh, Ezekiel what? Ezekiel, Ezekiel uh, 22, 22 14. 14. Yeah. Can thine heart endure, or thine hands be strong in the days that I shall deal with thee? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm guessing he's talking about the day, the day of judgment. You think? Yeah. Well, the, yeah, the, con yeah. the condemnation that's yeah. to come. And again, so this is a live for those of you who are watching this live. Um, this is a this is a live broadcast. So if you want to throw something in the comments, we're able to see that whether you're coming from YouTube or Facebook. And then also, if you'd like to chime in, um, I have a link that I can send you, uh, and you can pop right in onto the show. So um, I'll have to plan that so someone can see how that works so you can see how that works but um but yeah let's see we've got a few more minutes um let's get to the end of this page and then we'll call it a day yeah and then said evangelist why not willing to die since this life is attended with so many evils the man answered because i fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave and I shall fall into Tophet. This is because I fear that 
this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave. The note there, the convictions of the Spirit of God in the Bible make a man feel the un, insupportable burden of sin upon his back and to dread the wrath of God revealed from heaven against sin. That is what conviction is. Begin to feel feel that weight. Yeah. Uh, what is that Isaiah 30, 33? Because he says, evangelists ask him, why are you afraid to die? I mean, you're... This life is so horrible. That right. And this is a this is a great way to uh I mean it's he didn't ask him, you know, hey, do you know you're going to heaven? Like yeah. <laughs> he said, well, what what tell me what's going on? Why are you afraid to die? It sounds a lot like uh uh Shakespeare had something in Hamlet where it was uh he was contemplating suicide, but he was afraid to die. And uh the reason he was afraid to commit suicide, though, was that he was afraid of what might be after might be worse than what he was currently in. You know, he's mm. like, it would be nice if all this just was over with. But at the mm. same time, he's like, there's something inside of me that felt like there was more to it. And I felt like that would be worse than what I'm currently experiencing. You know, so there is that fear, I think, in everyone. But that sounds wow. that whole statement right there sounded a lot like uh, oh, that's uh, Shakespeare's. Uh, 3033. Yeah. What does it say? See, for the Tophet is ordained of old. Yea, for thee, the king is the king it is prepared. He hath made it deep and large. The pile thereof is fire and much wood. The breath of the Lord, like a stream of brimstone, doth kindle it. Like a stream of brimstone doth kindle it. Whoa! For Tophet is ordained of old, yea, for the king it is prepared. It is made deep and large. This is a different reference to to hell, to lake of fire. Um, Tophet. I believe so. Here it is. There's a location in Jerusalem. Jerusalem. This is not where um, where the worshippers, influenced by uh, Moloch, would burn their children. Okay, yeah. So this was a place that God had cursed because of what they had done, and it actually means the air. According to Philip, the der the derivation is uncertain, but may come from an. Aramaic word meaning hearth, fireplace, or roaster. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I don't know if I've ever seen that reference to hell in Ezekiel. And this is specifically reserved for the king. He says, I've made this a deep and large pit. There's a pile of wood there that's set on fire from the breath of God. And which, I, if I remember, they always kept it burning, uh, the area where they worshipped Moloch and burned the It was always just like this wasteland where it's just... Always burning. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well... There will probably be a few times where you end off like this, and you definitely want to get to the next uh, <laughs> next portion. But he says, let's finish out this page. Okay. Uh, he said, I'm, I'm afraid because I fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I shall fall into Tophet. So he had, he had learned about Tophet in, in Scripture. Yeah. yeah. And sir, if I be not fit to go to prison, I am not fit to go to judgment. And from thence to ex execution, and the thoughts of these, thing, of these things make me cry. Mm. Well, folks, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, we will be picking up where we left off tomorrow. Now, I, I do, I, I am traveling, but um, I'm going to do my best wherever I'm at to take uh, 20, 30 minutes to get on um the live stream and, and go through the book. And uh, if you have anything 
valuable to add or, or some thoughts you'd like to add or, you know, you'd like to just join us in the before we even start the show, reach out to me. Um, it's really, really simple. And I can I'd love to have um, some more voices bringing in some different perspectives or uh, just ideas about what's being spoken here. Anyways, guys, hope you have a great day. Y'all take care. See y'all later.